Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and our good friend and fellow podcaster, Jen Kelly, because Clayton Keenan is out sick with us today. He's um, not out sick with not, us. He's not out sick with us, but he's out sick. Jen today. is with us. Jen is with Clayton us. Is Clayton out is out sick. <laughs> hey guys, I have to fill in for Clayton. Do I need to host the podcast? Uh, maybe, too? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, but friends, we're super excited because before we jump into this episode with Jen here today, we're gonna actually get a chance to hang out with her for the first time in the podcast studio. We're together. Corey's not here, but we're with you, and that's what's. Wait important. a minute, wasn't Jen on the podcast previously? I, I was in here. Oh, I she was filled in, in for you, so yes. you've never hung out with Jen in the podcast studio. That's right. I have hung out with Jen in the podcast studio. I have not. So I'm super excited to be here with you today. I'm super excited. Even though I'm sad that Clayton is out sick, and I hope he feels better. Okay, everybody. Jen is the co-host, along with Corey Shoemate, mm-hmm. of a limited run podcast Yes. that we are hosting. No, she's hosting. She's hosting. We're yeah. not hosting it. The yeah. church is- Should I host this? The no, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, right back at you. <laughs> Jen is part of a podcast called Faith at Work, going along with our year-long theme here at Christ Community Church. Uh, we are talking about the fact that we live one life. We don't have a church life and a work life and a family life. We live one life, and it is all for the glory of God. We are connecting Sunday worship with Monday work. And so Jen and Corey have been hosting a limited-run podcast Drops every other week. Am I right about that? Every other for about, Wednesday. For about six or seven months. Yep. So, Jen, here's my first question for you about your podcast. Yeah. We have been affectionately referring to your podcast. <laughs> I know. <you're... laughs> on this podcast as the Spawncast. I know. How do you feel about that, Jen? You have an opportunity here. I feel like when there are criticism, it might be come from just a little bit of maybe jealousy or insecurity that's coming out. Nikki, did you hear the shots that she's firing at you right now? (laughs) This is my first time in the podcast studio with you, Jenna. I don't know how to take that. Friend, I listen to Bible Savvy, and I've heard the comments that you've made, too. Oh! I I know. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I I blame it partly on... In... Eric and Clayton, because they make me do it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. We don't really make her do it, but it is mostly my fault. <laughs> joking about your podcast, and, and Nikki gets sucked into the vortex of of making fun of the Spawn cast. But that we is, do love That you. is faith at work. No, no, that's what family's for. That's you right. make fun of them, but really you're proud of them. And exactly. You love them, so. All right, so it is a really great podcast. So here, here's another question for you. What has been either your favorite moment or the thing that has most stuck with you in the podcast episodes that you have already recorded? Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's a great question. Oh, we have interviewed um, a coroner, and I would say that in particular, the different bodies that he has had to process and just the duties of his job and how many Hmm. corpses within a year even, and then being able to apply his faith after the fact and see redemption come after death is astounding. It was hard to sit through. It takes a very gifted individual by God to be able to do that. Um, But then we've also interviewed Dr. Abu Jamra, and she is so intelligent, but her faith is so real at the same time. Um, I loved how honest and vulnerable and raw she was. Like even one moment, she she said she gets asked all the time, "Do you pray for all your patients?" And 
she sees like thousands of them, you know, and she's like, of course not. I don't have time to pay, pray for all my patients, you know, but I go back and pray over them. So moments like that, I love. Okay, Jen, one last question about your podcast before we kind of move on with the Bible Savvy podcast. Okay. What have you learned about your co-host, Corey <laughs> Shoemate, while you've been recording these podcasts? I really want to hear that one. Oh, Corey. Corey's, Corey's usually... 10 steps in front of me when we're interviewing all of our guests but he also I have learned seems to know everything so and I say that with all love and respect but there was one episode in particular where we were we were interviewing Kate and Michelle who are both teachers and were asked what is your least favorite subject in school and his literal answer was none of them I know everything like <laughs> I was like oh my gosh oh wow Corey so yeah okay you so there's not one thing that you can't do well huh are you talking directly yes, to Corey yeah, on our he's podcast gonna, he's you gonna listen whole, to this one you day. know there's a whole audience out there that is listening to this not just Corey yes, right I know now. but I'm, I'm so sorry friend it's a good it's a good compliment it's a yes. family kind of compliment yes it is a good podcast. Thank it you. is an important podcast. Mm -hmm. And it is a limited run podcast. So if you have not yet tuned into the Faith at Work podcast, make sure you do so. Even over like the Christmas break, catch up, do a little podcast binging, listen yeah. to Faith at Work while you are at home hoping that Aunt Sally and Uncle Joe, you know, get in their van and go back home. <laughs> you could hide in your room and listen to Faith at Work podcast. Perfect time to, to do that. Okay, well, here we go. We are in the Gospel of Mark in the Bible Savvy reading schedule. Mark chapter 8, starting verse 34, going to chapter 9, verse 13. Uh, as always, we are following the comma method because we want everybody to know how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's word to their life. And so following the comma method is one way to do that, and it is the core of the Bible Savvy stuff. Context for Mark chapter 8. I just want to talk just here for a moment about resources instead of setting up all of the context that's going up on here in Mark. Sometimes it's just a good reminder of where in the world do you find this information for yourself? Uh, we are not necessarily geniuses like Corey, but we do know how to find good information. And that is why we are always recommending people uh, to get the NIV study Bible. So, in terms of context, there are basically three kinds of context. There's like the history and the culture behind what's going on because the story of God unfolds throughout real human history. Uh, you can find that kind of context in the intro to every book of the Bible that is provided in a good study Bible and also in the study notes in a good study Bible. Then there's genre. There are different genres in the Bible. And of course, you do not read poetry the same way you read Ikea instructions. And so you need to know what you're reading in the Bible and how that literary form is functioning. Uh, and then lastly, you just kind of have to remind yourself where you are in the book you're reading, what came before it, what comes after it. And that is where the Bible Project videos are really, really helpful to watch the Bible Project video on every book of the Bible that you're reading. Now, if you want to know where to find all this stuff, we have collected it all for everyone in one nice place because we love everyone that listens to the podcast. You find it at biblesavvy.com. Everything, all of it, it's all right there for you. So here's a little tip on context. And now Jen is going to read, starting with Mark chapter 8, verse 34. All right. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for some who to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their own soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why do teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. All right, so we move on to the O in the comma method, which is observations. So we're just going to take some time and talk about what we see in this text. The first thing that uh, really popped out to me in verse 34 was uh, we, we continue to see Jesus in the Gospels call crowds to him. Mm. Like, I love how he was, um, I think there's, there was like, there was such a distinction between Jesus and other religious leaders who, other religious leaders were very exclusive, like, hey, you're not a part of our club. And Jesus was like, no, come to me and listen to me. Like, I want everybody to hear this. And I love that this is just one more example that says, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said this. You know, so I, I just, that's stood out to me. There's two things that actually stuck out to me. This is such an interesting, I love this transition in Mark. Um, a lot of people point out a that it's a critical transition. You have right before 34, Peter exclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah, right? And then Jesus says what he has to do. And Peter is like rebuking Jesus. And then Jesus obviously rebukes Peter. And from here on out, like before chapter nine, he does all of these miracles. He heals, he feeds thousands. He's proving who he is through his supernatural power. Everything that happens after this is him claiming who he is. He is the Messiah. What's going to happen, right? Through the words that he says. And so what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? If Jesus is king, what does it mean then to follow me? And the first thing that he does is he points to the cross. 
you got to take up the cross if you're going to follow me. It's not about glory automatically. It is <laughs> at the end after it's all done. It's not about like the kingdom taking in right now because that's what a lot of Jewish people would have believed. But if you're going to follow me right here and right now, you have to take up your cross. So that's like the first big thing that pops out. The second thing is, and we can talk about it later, but when he gets transfigured up on the mountain, right? He's in his full glory. I, I can't even imagine what that looks like. But I love Peter so much because Peter's like, let's build three tents or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> And let's stay here. <laughs> let's just hang out here. That's literally what he's saying. Like, he doesn't want to go. And at first, I'm like, you're crazy. He just told you what's going to happen. But then I was like, I was like, uh, it kind of makes sense for Peter to do. I have lots of thoughts on that. But those are the two things that stuck out for me. I'm, I'm sure I'm not right with how I picture this, but I picture Peter freaking out a little bit. <laughs> like, it's so amazing that you don't know what to do. Mm. Right? Can you imagine being on a mountain and seeing Elijah, Moses, and Jesus in all his glory? Mm-hmm. That, that is, like, you would have to think you're having like a psychotic break or something. <laughs> and then you realize it's real. And then you hear the Father from heaven say, this is my son. I love him. Listen to him. And Peter goes, oh, how about I put up some tents? <laughs> like, it's just so, like, I don't know what to do in this moment. Um, I... I'm going to go back a few verses here to how stark and rough these words sound. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his father's glory with the holy angels. Even if I don't take the time to try to very specifically interpret what Jesus meant there, it's a warning Mm-hmm. about responding to Jesus appropriately. Mm. Uh, and that, that, one, that one jumped out to me. Yeah, there was a couple uh, in verse 34 and 36, well, 34, 35, and 36. It says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. And then in 35, it says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And 36, it says, for good is it, what good is it, for what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? When I, I highlighted the word wants and gain, because I thought to myself, those kinds of words have to do with our desires and our hopes and our wishes and our needs. And in this case, I looked at it as saying, we must desire. Jesus wants us to desire to be his disciples. He wants us not to save our lives, but like not to not try to save our, if we save our lives, he's, we're going to lose it. He wants us to follow him because that's how we're going to truly have life. And so I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I'm looking I'm, and I'm asking the question, like, what do I want? Mm-hmm. Like, do I want Jesus? Do I want what he wants for me? Do I want to gain the things that he wants for me? Or am, am I desiring and wanting and, and feeling like my hopes and my needs and my wishes are in other things other than him? Because if I do that, then I'm going to lose everything. Mm-hmm. Or even what does it mean to really follow Jesus? Like, what do I want from him even? Yeah. Yeah, I think there, there's something key with those, the wants. 
and it all comes across very counterintuitive. That whole, that whole section, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. Whoever wants to save their life has to lose it. Mm-hmm. But if you lose it, you end up saving it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? And what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? So even, and even there you say, even if you spent the best effort of your life trying to get everything you ever wanted, in the end, you're going to lose your soul. So what good is that? Yeah. Even if you were able to accomplish gaining the whole world, which you're not going to be able to, mm-hmm. even if you did, it's still a bad deal. The whole thing is the whole thing is counterintuitive. What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me, my words in this adul- adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Mm. So that's the next thing that sticks out to me is he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Because that would be a weird thing to say when he's standing there. Mm-hmm. When the Son of Man comes, well, he's already there. What do you mean come? So he's tipping, he's tipping his hand here that he's going to leave and come back. I think also we got to highlight just the, like the weird verse in this, the awkward one. In 9 verse 1, Jesus is saying to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Yeah, people people struggle with that from a from a timeline perspective cuz if if you if you step back from it it could possibly come across as if what Jesus is saying is there are some people here who aren't going to die. Like if you read if you read uh before they see the kingdom of God has come with power. If you read that as like eternal life or heaven, mm-hmm. say is Jesus telling them that some of yeah. them are not going to die? Right. Uh, there are there are two main ways that people interpret what Jesus is saying here. So let me let me just let me just read it again, and then I'll I'll give you the two ways. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. So two, two main ways to interpret that. What is Jesus talking about? Well, one, he might be talking about what happens next, which is the transfiguration. So some of them see Jesus transfigured. Not all of them, right? So that's one. They recognize that the kingdom of God has come with power in the person of Jesus. The other main interpretation of that, what's Jesus talking about? He might be talking about post-resurrection, so Jesus is crucified, dead, buried, and then comes back to life. And some of them get to see that and acknowledge, oh, the kingdom of God has come in power. And then what you see playing out of that is the book of Acts, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is all of these same players. So you see the kingdom of God here present with power. So those are the, those are the two main explanations for, for what Jesus is talking about there. Uh, any other observations from this text before we move on to the first M in the comma method? I do. I have so I it's a it's an observation and it's accuse it's it's a funny one, it's a confusing one. When Jesus comes all the way to the end after he's been transfigured, and they're in confusion and they're asking him, why did the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he answers and he tells them Elijah is coming first and restoring all the things. And how is it written? He he answers their question with a question, Mm -hmm. which is so like Jesus to do. But then he says, I say to you that Elijah has also come and they did to him whatever they wished as it is written of him. I find it really intriguing that he has to double back down 
pretty much on his reminder of just how much he's going to have to go through to get to the cross and the sacrifice it's going to take because their minds were so focused on what it meant for Jesus to be king in the here and the now, right? Like, he's going to rule over Jerusalem. This is what it's going to mean for our people. And Jesus always has to keep coming back and answering their question and reminding them, like, no, it's not going to look like what you think it is in your mind. I have to suffer. I'm going to have to go to the cross, and then I will be resurrected after that. So... Yeah, that's a good observation. My, my, my last observation wasn't nearly as deep. Uh, I find it funny that it says that when Jesus was transfigured and he's glowing this white, it's like, and not even a white that the best bleach could possibly. It's like, really? Are we talking about Clorox right now? Like, just in case you think that this was just a really good load of laundry. Oh, no, this was something totally different. It's like when the disciples in Acts are speaking in tongues and they're like, we're not drunk as you might suppose we are. It's only 1030 in the morning. <laughs> Jesus isn't this white. Jesus isn't this white because it was a good load of laundry. Something else is going on. Because bleach can't even get it that way. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the first M in the comma method, which is message, which is when we're reading the Bible, this is, this is the point when we're reading the Bible where we say, okay, so I did my Bible reading today. I tried to pay attention. I made some observations. So what is the message that I'm getting out of the text today? And the exercise here is to try to put it in one or two sentences. So what is a message that we can draw from this text today? Uh, my message based on the observations that I pulled out of the text was, um, is this. Want what God wants for your life. Hmm. It's pretty good. It's good. I wrote, Jesus's Messiahship, his Lord and Savior King, involves him as the suffering servant. Suffering is the path to glory. Well, that was so deep. Hold on. Read, do it again. Repeat it again. <laughs> Jesus's Messiahship involves him as the suffering servant. Suffering is the pathway to glory. Hmm. That one's pretty close to mine. Uh, suffering being the pathway to glory. I, I'm I'm focusing here on when Jesus tells them that, that they must deny themselves, take up their cross. To save your life, you have to lose it. That whole counterintuitive teaching from Jesus. Uh, and the way I would say it is the way to the best life is not the way you think it is. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Okay, so for meditation today, we're moving on to the second M in the comma method. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have each of us repeat our message. And then for those of you listening, I want you to grab onto one of the three messages, and that's what you're going to use for your meditation today. Okay, so Nikki, you go first. All right, the message was, want what God wants for your life. Jesus's Messiahship involves him as the suffering servant. Suffering is the pathway to glory. And mine is the way to the best kind of life is not the way you think it is. Take 45 seconds, prayerfully ponder.
Okay, after we have taken some time to prayerfully think about our Bible reading, we move on to the A in the comma method, which is application. This is where we put what we're reading in the Bible into action in our lives. So, Nikki, Jen, what are your, what are your applications today? Yeah, so I, I kind of gave mine away in my observation area, but what, it was this to, to ask yourself, what, what do I want? Are my desires and my goals in life aligned with what God wants for me? And I think sometimes I, I remember when I was younger in my faith, you know, you read something in God's Word and you go, really? I don't think I can do that. Like, you can do that? How do you do that? And I think what we find when there's that whole sanctification process, when the Holy Spirit is working in our lives and helping us to become more like Jesus, is um, the things that we want become so easily those that align with what God wants for us that we don't have to try as hard to make sure that we're actually walking in line with God because it just comes, it, it just becomes easier. It doesn't mean that we still don't, we don't struggle or we don't mess up every now and then, but it just, you have to let, think less about it, but you got to kind of get there to the certain point where you sit, you're just constantly ask yourself, God, is this what you want for my life? Am I wanting what you want for me? in this particular area, in this particular desire. Is this what you want for me? Hmm. Jen? Um, mine was, don't be Peter. I think we all have mountaintop moments when we're following Jesus, and I think he desires for us to have those. We see people get supernaturally healed. We see someone give their life over to Jesus. We see glimpses, right, of eternity come to life. And we want to stay there. Like, we want to be like, camp out right there. I want this to be always worship, you know? And as I was reading it, I was like, man, I'm not alone there. Like, I, I, I got to stop being Peter, though, sometimes. It's not all wonderful. Right now, Jesus hasn't returned yet with his angels. We have a job to do. And that job is going to involve me carrying my cross and going through moments of suffering. So I need to be a little bit more grateful probably about those moments until Christ does come back. And I need to keep that in perspective. Enjoy the mountaintop moments when transfiguration moments do happen. But don't be Peter. Don't be tempted to pitch a tent. Let's get back down there and do the work that God's called us to do. Dang. Let's just stop right there. (laughs) You know what? I am going to stop right there. Wrap up up the episode. No, go ahead. No, that was was a good way to end the episode. That was amazing. You sure? You don't want to get your application? I I really feel like you're... (laughs) Do you you feel a lot of pressure right now, Jen? Like you just wrapped up the the podcast episode? (laughs) (laughs) I think you should... She just threw it down. Like get off the the mountaintop and go down there in the valley and do the work, people. Okay, here's my here's my application based based on the fact that I'm focusing on the counterintuitive nature of Jesus' teaching. Yeah. I need to be willing to do things that either don't make sense or aren't my natural inclination mm-hmm. because a lot of Jesus' teaching is counterintuitive. My sinful nature normally wants to do what is most obvious and comfortable to me. Yep. And so I need to I need to pay attention to whether or not I'm doing things that are uncomfortable and counterintuitive. Because if I'm not, I am probably not following Jesus very well. That'll preach. Mm. We just did. We just did. Right yeah, here on the did. podcast. That's right. <laughs>
done. All right. Well, that's all that we have for you, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. In the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to read along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. Oh,